of the story of Jesus Christ to share. We have the gospel of salvation, of Christ who came into the world, which we celebrate on Christmas, of Christ who lived and dwelt among us, who taught us the way of God and of the kingdom of heaven. And we have the story of salvation, that Jesus Christ died upon the cross and that he rose again for us and for our salvation. And so we do have a story to tell. Go tell it on the mountain indeed. It is the story of Jesus that is central to us. But one of the things that the Jesse tree helps us with in Advent is to go through all of the different stories along the way that lead us to this point. Through hundreds of years of history, the Bible will take a great adventure leading us to Christ. And so today, I invite you to join me in one of those stories. Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 through 22. This is the story of Jacob and the stairway to heaven. Depending on your translation, it either says ladder or stairway. Um, There's really not much nuance in the Hebrew to make a pick, um, but I know uh, just the phrase stairway to heaven does have some name recognition. So, and I know Dave Vandermolen is already humored. From Genesis chapter 28, 10 through 22, just to know where we are um, as we approach this particular text in Scripture. Um, Jacob has already done his cheating and scheming of his brother Esau, and he is headed out for his own safety. And so this is where we pick up at verse 10, is Jacob on his journey. Um, and it is a time that things are changing for Jacob the schemer and the trickster. He is by himself, he is alone, and he is fleeing. As we come to this story and as we reflect on the ways in which it points us towards Christ and the gospel story, let's pray for God's blessing upon the word. Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, speak fresh into our hearts and lives. As we light the candles for Advent, we remember that your spirit is like a burning fire. So we ask that you consume and burn away the chaff in our lives that would distract us. And rather, in this moment, with your burning power in your Holy Spirit, feed us. Feed us through your word. May your word be living and active both in us and among us. And may we find our way into Genesis 28, 10 through 22, and ask ourselves, just what would it have been like to be Jacob in this moment? And how does Jacob teach us how to follow you more faithfully? This we do with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 through 22. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending upon it. 
And there above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have you ever done something because you were told to do it in a dream? Have you ever um, had an encounter with an angel? that has made you decide to do things differently or travel differently. For many of us, maybe not so much. In in fact, we're a little bit more suspect to people who say that they were told to do things in dreams. Um, I remember when I was in high school, um, at a neighboring school, a student brought a machete to school because he was told by God in a dream to attack sinners. And we would say, no. The examples of people saying that God told them to do something And then what they actually go out and do because they say that God told them to do and it doesn't seem or sound very godly at all is confusing for us. And and in fact, almost makes us put some distance on dreams make you almost sound less credible. Uh, We could take the extreme examples of people saying they were told to do things that just are not lining up with who we know God to be or what we're even told to do in Scripture. We could put the extreme examples on one shelf in our mental category. Uh, But but maybe just to bring it down a, a notch closer, have you ever showed up at a staff meeting or a business meeting and said, in a dream, I was told the way forward? Do you think you would be taken more seriously or less seriously? In our day and age, I would tend towards saying less I know some people who claim to have dreams that speak to them very well. Some of them, I think, make a lot of sense. Some of it seems godly. And other times, I can't help but to be suspicious. 
are you just saying you had a dream so that we can't argue with you so that you can do whatever you want to do anyway with no evidence to the contrary? Dreams can be hard to figure out. And that's why I think this type of passage in Genesis 28 can be an interesting one to find how do we relate to it. Because dreams and angels are are kind of the two things that are just kind of out there for us. We don't always know what to do with them. What we can confidently assert is that God in a dream would probably not tell you to do anything that would break any of the Ten Commandments. I think we can agree that that's maybe a solid foundation to start with. If someone says they were told in a dream to do something, and you just go through God's big ten a second and think, no, that doesn't line up. Or perhaps we should remember that if we are people who faithfully follow Jesus, then Jesus will not tell us in a dream to do something that would be the direct opposite of maybe the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. But how do we take dreams at the right amount of seriousness? How do we understand what they're for? That sometimes it's like our brain is just like a computer defragging at the end of the day. But we also would say, well, could God speak to us in a dream? Could an angel show up to you and give you a message? And hopefully we would say, absolutely it's possible. God still speaks today. It is possible but maybe it's just hard to relate to because the weird examples stand out more. Not that some of the dreams that people had or the visions that they, that they were led in weren't weird sometimes, but it's just not the way we think. Angels and dreams are tricky because it's not like after Jesus ascended to the heavens that he left like a flow chart of like, here's how God will speak through dreams and not speak through dreams. Or here's what angels will do or not do and how they will do it or how they will not do what they do. We don't have a nice clean chart of angels and dreams. We don't have the, the categories for it. And yet... We do have so many stories in Scripture of how God spoke to people through dreams or how these angels that Jacob sees ascending and descending on the stairway to heaven and earth. We have all kinds of examples in Scripture of how God spoke through dreams and how angels attended those who were in need. We have Jacob this morning who is fleeing With his head on a pillow for a rock, he is given a vision of God's angels going up and down as if a reminder that God is very much at work in the world. We have Jacob's son, Joseph, that Pastor Audrey preached on not long ago. Joseph and his wonderful coat, Joseph, who had all kinds of dreams that his brothers said, you're just being arrogant, that's not from God. Turns out Joseph was right. Joseph, who could interpret dreams. And then if we fast forward to the New Testament, sticking with that same name, we have the Joseph husband of Mary in the New Testament, who was warned in a dream to not go the same way. We have the wise men who were redirected through a dream. We have Elizabeth and Mary who were greeted by angels. Angels and dreams abound in Scripture. I think Joseph of the New Testament, 
might have had an especially hard dream to believe, and yet he did, and it was credited to him as righteousness. When he was told that his fiance, who was pregnant, was pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and Joseph said, Good deal. God uses angels and dreams. And we have the stories, though to categorize them all in the this might be a way forward, this might not, would get really confusing because there'd be counterexamples if you tallied them all up. But I think there's three words that can at least be a common ground of how angels and dreams relate to God's people in Scripture. Promise, provision, and presence. And that is totally an alliteration, and it just happens to even be one that PR even. It's just like a double bonus alliteration. Promise, provision, and presence. Now, one of the things that, that we believe, and especially in a, in a Reformed church, we put a lot of emphasis on God's covenant. And a simple way to define covenant is a promise that comes with a provision. And angels and dreams are often used to reinforce or remind or give clarity to covenant, to the promise and the provision. And they also, whether an angel or a dream, can give a sense of God's presence, can give a reminder that God is with you. Promise and provision and presence are three ways in which angels and, angels and dreams go together in how they work with God's people. Jacob, after all, is by himself. And, and he is given this vision. And what God speaks to him in Genesis 28 is that the covenant, this promise that was made to Abraham, is also good for Jacob. This promise is also going to come with provision. That the Lord assures Jacob, who is fleeing for his life, that I am with you, in verse 15. I am with you, and I will watch over you. This is provision. And it's in verse 16 that Jacob has a realization of God's presence. This is, in some ways, a turning point for Jacob. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, verse 16, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. Jacob is aware of God's presence in a whole new way. This is the guy who went to sleep with a rock for a pillow, who was alone. No supplies, no provisions, no nothing. Just him on the run. And he is aware suddenly of God's presence. In a moment where Jacob could feel that maybe he was completely on his own, maybe even abandoned. It was a reminder not only that God was active in the world, seeing this vision of angels ascending and descending between heaven and earth, but also that God was with him specifically. God was also somewhere that Jacob just didn't expect. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. It might be hard 
to think of how active God is in our lives and in the world when we are literally or symbolically using a rock for a pillow. Maybe in the moments that seem hard or feel isolating or scary, those are not the moments where we think most clearly about God being active in the world. And that's the realization that Jacob has. I didn't think that God was here. I didn't think God was anywhere near me. And yet here I am given this promise and provision and presence reminder through a vision, a dream of angels that God is still at work, that God is with me. This is the hope of Advent, that even when things seem dark at different points of history, that God is still at work, that when the night seems extremely dark, that the light is coming just around the corner. Jacob was afraid with a reverent fear when he realized just how close God was to where he was laying down. In verse 17, he says, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. What if you thought you were all on your own, abandoned, and then you were shown a vision said, This is the gate of heaven. You're sitting right at heaven's gate. There are angels all around you going about the work of their master, the Lord our God, creator of heaven and earth. What about you? Can you identify with Jacob just a little bit, whether your name is Jake or not? Are there places that you don't expect God to be? Jacob is surprised that God is present at the place that he calls Bethel, house of God. Jacob is very surprised. He did not expect God to show up in that place or at that time. Where are you going to be this week? Think of the places that you'll be, which might be living room central or home office avenue. Who are the people that you're going to be with? What are the meetings you're going to have? What are the conversations that you'll engage with? And is it worth wondering, are there places that, not through an active negation of a belief in God's presence, but just through passive neglect, that you think about your everyday life and you don't actually expect God to be present anywhere in it? That's the Jacob lesson, is that God is more present and more active, and more at work than what we would tend to believe. And sometimes we just need to see it. However, we do have faith when we don't have the sight and the vision and dreams of angels. As you go into this week, think about where you're going to see God. Be especially attentive to places that you just expect that are going to happen, that you go about your daily rhythm, and you won't really think about what God might be up to at all. And reflect back that what God assures God's people of is that God's promises that he will be with us don't fade away, that God's provision that he will watch over us does not cease, and that God's presence is nearer to us then we often are near to ourselves. Where will you see God? 
If last week the invitation was to pay attention in prayer, to what aspect of God's character are you praying to? There are times to pray to the Lord of battles, God of armies, the Lord of hosts. There's times to pray to the great physician. There's times to give thanks to El Shaddai, the God who provides. And there are also prayers to be offered to the Prince of Peace. If last week's invitation was to be mindful of what aspect of God's character do you pray to the most? And is there maybe one we're missing? This week, ask yourself, where will you see God's presence at work? And can you just take a moment to imagine a stairway to heaven with angels present? Once again, we don't often think of angels very much. We, we think of them at Christmas, of, of being the special messengers, and this is good. But to imagine if you're a little bit like Jacob, if you're a little bit like Jacob in verse 16, saying, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. I would simply ask, what is your vision? What is your active daydream of what it looks like for God to be at work? Is it null and void of God's presence? Would it change anything if you saw a vision of a stairway between heaven and earth with angels going up and down? It changed a lot of things for Jacob in his life. Hopefully it would change us too. What is your dream this week? And where do you most actively need to dream it? To take the story that maybe you'll never have a vision or a dream of God's angels ascending and descending, but Scripture is our story and can be our imagination too. God's presence. Emmanuel, we sing at Christmas time. Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. And so may we, as a people, especially in Advent, remember that our hope is in God who is present among us, and that our peace comes from the assurance that God is with us. And so today, when you close your eyes in a minute for prayer, as we pray together for the needs of our community, our church, and our world, as you go to sleep the next time you sleep, whether it be maybe a Sunday afternoon nap or tonight at bedtime or whenever it is that you sleep, could you imagine having a dream and seeing a stairway between heaven and earth? Can you actively understand that God is just that present, just that involved, and is just that close to you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I hope so. Let's pray.